SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome to Opposite Picks on this Tuesday, December 6th. I am Scott Wetzel sitting in for the next uh, 60 minutes, taking your phone calls, 844-843-6879. Again, that's toll-free, 844-843-6879. You want to follow me on Twitter, send a tweet. It is at Opposite Picks. That's O-P-P-O-S-I-T-E, Picks, P-I-C-K-S. Email me. Go to the website, OppositePicks.com. Hit the contact Scott icon and fire away. Uh, Brady to the rescue. Off mark. No Baker's dozen in San Fran. The streak is over in Boston. College football's Final Four Part 2 and fishing for some O-line help. We'll get to all those stories, plus your phone calls, pyramid plays, open parlays, and of course... Opposite picks all coming up on the fastest hour on Sports Grid Radio. Uh, what's going on, my friends? LLs, loyal listeners, how are you on this a Tuesday? Uh, ESPN there with the call. And then Todd Bowles, head coach of the Buccaneers, explaining how uh, Tom Brady pulled another one out of his, uh, you know what, to come up with a victory last night for the Buccaneers 17 16. Wow, uh, uh, unbelievable. You know, watching that game. Now, winning, you know, on the surface, okay, Tampa Bay won at home against the Saints. You know, no big deal. The Saints are, what, 4-8 and eight now, 3-9, and nine, whatever they are. Uh, that, that's to be expected. But it's just, you know, all right, the Bucks played bad. All right, the Bucks played bad. But then they, they rally in the fourth quarter, they win. Yeah, you see that happen all the time. So that on the surface, it's not that big a deal. But if you watch the game, the Bucks' offense was just atrocious again. For the unteen time, they kick a field goal on their first drive. They march right down the field. They sputter in the red zone, as they've been doing over the last year, really the entire year, right? But they kick a field goal, first drive, nice eight-minute drive. All right, three-nothing Bucks. They're, they're well on their way. You know, Saints are three and out, and then you know, Bucks get a chance to score again. They don't, and then the, the you know, Saints can't do anything midway through the second quarter, and the Bucks are doing nothing in the second. Bucks are doing nothing in the third. Saints, meanwhile, are chipping away. They got the lead 13-3. A couple chances to blow it open. And and, and Tampa Bay, again, just, just awful football. Can't get out of their own way. Nothing. Uh, from that first drive on until the fourth quarter when there's six minutes left. They're down 16-3, to three, and they've given you no reason. I mean, outside of it's just Tom Brady, and I get that's a halfway decent reason, but still, just no reason to think that this team is going to come alive. And they do. They score two touchdowns in the final six minutes, and they win the game 17-16 on a last-second touchdown pass to Rashad White with three seconds left. Unbelievable. You know, so again, on the surface, it's not that big a deal. But when you watched it and you saw how bad Tampa Bay's offense was, I don't know what this Saints team does, but boy, over the last three years, they have done a terrific job uh, against Tom Brady. They really have. But they couldn't get it done. Two drives, not one, but two drives. When it, when it really counted, push came to shove, chance to get out of there at four and nine, they are. Chance to get out of there at five and eight, be only a game back in the standings with a victory. As crazy as that sounds, and they can't get it done. So if you watch the game also, I tell you what, there's no two ways about it. Joe Buck, to a lesser extent, Aikman, but oh, Buck was he was rooting on Tampa Bay. No two ways about it. You know, it's hard not to get to get caught up into it because of you know how bad Tampa Bay has played for three quarters plus. 
and then to see them kind of turn it on. But, you know, that, that you're supposed to stay neutral as a broadcaster. But clearly, clearly he was rooting on Tampa Bay. So, well, you know, why we can't blame my guess. Who, who's rooting for Andy Dalton and the Saints these days? So the Bucs win 17-16. Brady goes 36 of 54. They heat through 54 times. Good gravy. Uh, 281 yards, two touchdown passes. They had a prop on FanDuel, one and a half touchdown passes, minus 130. Through three and a half quarters, you looked as dead as you could possibly be. With six minutes left, and he's sitting on no touchdown passes, that problem was you might as well rip up that ticket. No reason to think he's going to throw one, let alone two, right? And lo and behold, that one ended up cashing with that last second touchdown pass. He ends up with two. Uh, was sacked somehow or another only one time, even though he was under pressure the entire game. And uh, they get a big win. Now 6-6. Six and six. I mean, it doesn't sound like much, but 6-6 six and six in the uh, NFC South. And you got a stranglehold now on the division. We all figured they would end up winning. Uh, they got a two-game lead over the Atlanta Falcons and a two-game lead in the loss column over Carolina. Three-game over the Saints. They're 6-6, six and six, and they're going to win that division. 9-8 and eight is probably going to win that division. And I don't even know if Tampa Bay will win three of their last five games. You know, they got a tough game against San Fran. That figures to be a loss. They got a tough game against Cincinnati at home. That figures to be a loss. At Arizona, Kyler Murray back. Um, Carolina at home, that figures to be a win. And then Atlanta on the road, which at that point is probably going to be out of it. You'll be facing Desmond Ritter. And you know what? The Bucks could go 2-3, and three, finish a game under 500, and win the division. Wouldn't be the first time that's happened. Seagirls did that a couple of years ago, but it's a likely thing. It really is. All right, opposite picks just getting it away right here on Sports Grid Radio. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, welcome back. It is Opposite Picks right here on Sports Grid Radio. Time for some phones today, 844-843-6879. Again, that's 844-843-6879. Those are the words you heard there. Uh, first up, Dennis Allen, current, and I emphasize current head coach of the uh, New Orleans Saints. You know, Nathaniel Hackett gets all the blame and criticism and laughter, uh, but the good old Dennis Allen hasn't exactly done a bang-up job in his first year with the uh, New Orleans Saints. And then uh, quarterback Andy Dalton, who really, you know, he kind of falls in the line of the Jacoby Brissett. Uh, is there anybody else? Mitch Trubisky. Um, anybody else, uh, you know, Baker Mayfield, what do they all have in common? All guys that have had a second chance to either resurrect their career or jumpstart their career and have it fall in their lap and probably never get an opportunity to start ever again in the NFL. You know, I mean, if you're Andy Dalton, all right, you had a nice little run in Cincinnati. You had a chance to, to kind of keep that going last year with the Dallas Cowgirls. Good team. You know, a lot of offensive weapons failed miserably. Um, had a chance this year with this New Orleans Saints team in a god-awful division. Not the greatest weapons, but you have some. You know, you got if these guys would have stayed healthy, it would have been a little different story with Michael Thomas and, and to a lesser extent, Kamara. But, you know, you had a chance anyway, right? Now, here I am. I'm Andy Dalton. I'm 50 years old. I got a chance here to lead the team to the playoffs. All I have to do is finish 500. You know, when he looks himself in a mirror, does he say, I'm done? You know, when he's at home, you know, last night, 
and he, uh, you know, gets ready for bed and he looks himself in a mirror. Does he say I suck or does he say the Saints suck? I wonder, <clears throat> you know, because, again, he's had two chances. Mitch Trubisky, same thing, you know, fails in Chicago, goes to, uh, you know, Buffalo, sits in purgatory for a year. The Steelers say, here, here's our team. It's all yours. He's got a chance to resurrect his career, fares, fails miserably. Does he look himself in the mirror and say, I, I suck? Or does he say the Steelers suck? Yeah, I mean, does he still think he's an NFL quarterback? You know, Baker Mayfield, same thing. Uh, Cleveland Browns, we know the story. Released yesterday by the Carolina Panthers. Does he look in the mirror and say, I'm an NFL quarterback? I I'm going to justify all those All-State commercials? Or does he say... Boy, I look more like uh, Johnny uh, Johnny Football than I do, uh, you know, a real quarterback. I, I I suck. I'm not any good. So you've had a bunch of quarterbacks this year have that second chance, but some guys don't even get one chance. These guys have had two chances. Uh, you know, you get a first down last night, the final six minutes, two drives, you win the freaking game. Simple as that. And they had one, but uh, newly acquired Mark Ingram decides he's going to run out of bounds with six minutes left, second and eight. He runs for seven yards or so. He's got to put his nose down and, and barrel into the defensive back who's coming up to make the tackle. But he more than likely, considering he's got a seven-yard running start here, would probably get the first down, reset the uh, you know the downs. Instead, he runs out of bounds, and the yard marker is right there in front of him. It's not like he was tackled in the center of the field. He sees the yard marker. And he runs out of bounds, the yard shy, so it sets up third and one. And then uh, good old Dennis Allen using his brain instead of just reacting. Uh, I don't know, third and one, let's run the ball. Uh, he decides he's going to throw with Andy Dalton, incomplete pass, and he got to punt the ball away. You know, Ingram puts his nose down, gets the first down with six minutes left. You know, the game is long from being over. Tampa Bay still has, uh, you know, three timeouts left. But, it, it, it you know, you're either going to force Tampa Bay to start using the timeouts there uh, or, you know, you're going to take your two minutes plus off the clock, and now you're going to hand the ball back to Tampa Bay with four minutes left, needing two scores. But instead, Ingram runs out of bounds. These guys are bird brains. Bird brains. I mean, one, you shouldn't be running out of bounds anyway, right? I mean, there's six minutes left. You're up two. You know, he's a veteran player. You have to know. Stay in bounds. No matter what, stay in bounds. And not only does he get the first down, he runs out of bounds. Oh, these guys are mopes. These guys are just, they're blind. They're they are blind to game nuance. They just, give me the ball, where do I go? You know, they don't, you know. That's why when someone does actually, like, fall to the ground, it's, you know, the announcers, no matter who it is, is always like, wow, what a great play that was. No, it's not. Everybody watching at home would do the same thing. You know, it's a normal play. It's the expected play. It's the smart play. Why does when when everyone does anything smart in the NFL, it's so amazing? I don't think we need to answer that. So, Bucks win. How about this? I think you know they were given some nice little stats last night after the game. That's only the second time that Tom Brady has won a football game after trailing by thirteen or more points in the fourth quarter, and the only other time was the Super Bowl against the Falcons. Is that possible? I mean, he probably hasn't. See, I'd like to know, all right, how many times has he been trailing by 13 in the fourth quarter? But it's crazy as it sounds. I, I bet it's really not that much, but it's got to be 20 or 30 times, right? He's not undefeated. He's That's only the second time. The first time in a regulation game he's rallied from two scores down or two touchdowns down in the fourth quarter to win. 
One in 43. Actually, they did say it. Um, I just wrote it down. Um, last night, I just saw my little notes there. So only one time out of 43, that's amazing. For a guy who's like phenomenal and known for his comebacks, that's a little weird. That's the latest touchdown pass in a game outside of overtime that he's won a game three seconds left. Here's the question I would have asked him. See, these announcers, they all get caught up in the emotion. Oh, Tom, how great was that? How does it feel leading your team down like he's never done that before, right? I mean, how about taking a step back and just kind of thinking of the situation and asking a real question? Is that possible by anybody? The question I'd like to know is, they had a timeout left. Thank you, Mark Ingram. So does he make that throw if he didn't have a timeout left? It was in the middle of the field. It was to his running back at, what, the five, six-yard line? Made some moves, barreled into a guy, scores. I just wonder, there was, uh, what, eight seconds left to start the play? I wonder if he would have taken that chance to make that play, knowing that if the running back doesn't get in, that's it, game's over, if he didn't have a timeout. Um, I don't know what he would answer to that. He might just say, "I, you know what, I don't even know because I had a timeout. I wasn't thinking of it. But that, that would be a pretty good question uh, to ask him. Does he make that throw if he doesn't have a timeout left? Answer is probably no. Maybe they don't even call that play. But the Although I don't think he was the intended receiver. But uh, I'm guessing the answer is no. Carolina releases Baker Mayfield yesterday, basically during our show. To tell you the truth, as I'm sitting here saying, you know, we're rattling off all these quarterbacks that uh, could possibly be released if they want to help out the San Francisco 49ers. And, and lo and behold, I see uh, Carolina releases Baker Mayfield. He was one of our guys. I still say that um, when everything is said and done, Joe Flacco is going to be a member of the San Francisco 49ers. They signed Josh Johnson yesterday. He stinks. Uh, so they got Brock Purdy and Josh Johnson. They said uh, today slash yesterday that they had no interest, at least Kyle Shanahan did, the head coach. I don't know about uh, John Lynch, the GM, but he said he has no interest in Baker Mayfield. Interesting. Um, does that mean, see, again, the next question, and, and I didn't watch the whole press conference, so I won't uh, rip them on it. But to me, the, you know, the question is, are you ready to, you know, do you think you can win with Brock Purdy? Is that is that the plan going forward, that Brock Purdy is going to be your starting quarterback for the rest of the season and into the postseason? They have to be looking at other guys, right? I mean, they just, maybe they're hoping, praying that some guy would release, uh, be released. Again, to me, Teddy Bridgewater, Miami, Joe Flacco, Walt, uh, uh, Jets are the two guys. Two former San Francisco 49er assistants, now head coaches, both kind of running the show, looking to do San Fran a favor. I think so. I right, phone calls coming up next. Heisman Trophy vote as well. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, welcome back. It is Opposite Picks right here on Sports Grid Radio, Sirius XM 159-844-843-6879. Again, it's 844-843-6879. First one there. Uh, was um, uh, Clay Thompson. There you go. Just a little brain uh, cramp there. Uh, Clay Thompson of the uh, Golden State Warriors, uh, who passes uh, Jason Kidd and Dirk Nowitzki on the all-time three-point field goal list uh, in NBA history, which is a uh, pretty good accomplishment. He's got a long ways to go. He is 13th all-time 
Uh, Kyle Lowry, uh, who's still active, is actually ahead of him. I never would have guessed that, right? How many people would have guessed that? Uh, Clay's got 1,990, and Kyle's got uh, 2,028, so he's got 38 more. Paul Pierce is next in line with 2,143. And then you got uh, LeBron, Damian Lillard's on that list. James Harden is third all time. And then Steph Curry is number one, way ahead of the pack at uh, 3,200. So uh, Clay is now 13th. And then that was uh, Kyle Shanahan talking about uh, the no interest in Baker Mayfield. You know, he kind of pointed himself uh, in, a, in a corner there, painted himself in a corner in that he was saying that he's, you know, he likes his guys. He likes his guys. You know, he didn't say Baker sucks. So we're going to look elsewhere. He said, I like my guys, which means if, in fact, they go get another guy, then ultimately it will be, oh, yeah, Baker sucks. We just weren't interested in him. You know, we're interested in looking forward to a new guy, but it's just not going to be Baker. That's all. So we will see what they do. Uh, College football real quickly here. They announced their four finalists this year. You know, they changed the rules last year. It used to be you could have three, you could have five, you could have six, seven. Uh, but then they changed it and said only the top four. And the top four this year, Stetson Bennett of Georgia, Caleb Williams of USC, TCU's Max Duggan, and uh, Ohio State's C.J. Stroud, who finished fourth in the voting last year. He better not win. I'll, I'll be happy with any of these other three guys. C.J. Stroud, not phony, goofy Ohio State offense. He stunk against Michigan. He stunk against Ohio State, the t- or uh, against Notre Dame. The two teams that had any kind of value whatsoever on their schedule, outside of Penn State, we'll say, he was lousy in. So if these idiot Heisman voters give him the Heisman Trophy this year based on beating Indiana and Rutgers and Northwestern, that, that, that's just a joke. That, that, that real, I don't care if he tied for most touchdown passes. Did you watch the games? They're up 30 points in a fourth quarter, and they're keeping them in the game. They, they, you talk about padding stats. That is padding stats. I'll take Caleb Williams because USC's defense stinks, and no matter what they put on the board, they're capable of giving up more than that. So his 37 are legitimately 37. But I'll tell you what, much like the team this guy plays for, it's a publicity thing. I get it, and it's up to your school to get your name out there. I get it. But this school, I think, got screwed, and this player, I think, got screwed. I think they are the best school and player that gets no notoriety, and, and maybe to their own fault. They are just 10-2, and two, but best quarterback this year is Michael Penix Jr. Uh, there's no two ways about it. Uh, he has nearly 1,000, you heard that right, nearly 1,000 more yards passing than Stetson Bennett. He has nine more touchdowns passes than Stetson Bennett. He's got one more interception, so it's basically equal. I mean, the guy is thrown for a thousand more yards, nine more touchdown passes. He ran in for four more touchdowns. Uh, he's on a good team that, unfortunately, because of a dopey tiebreaker, didn't get to play in the Pac-12 championship game. It's not like they lost to Utah or USC. Those are the two teams they didn't face this year. Somehow or another, they beat Oregon. You know, they did a good job winning at Oregon. They got some nice wins. Beat Michigan State. Um, somehow or another, they lost to Arizona State. That's Back-to-back games they lost. Those are the two. It was UCLA the one game and then um, Arizona State the very next game. Otherwise, they got ranked wins over Oregon, Oregon State, uh, Michigan State at the time they were ranked. 
and uh, they got left out in the cold. Uh, they blew out Washington State, which was a pretty good team. And uh, not only did they get to play in the Pac-12 championship game, uh, you know, Michael Penix Jr., the kid from Indiana, transferred, didn't even uh, play or didn't uh, even get a, five, a top four vote. I don't know how Bennett's in there, to tell you the truth, except for the fact he's on Georgia. Um, and then I, I wouldn't have put the uh, Stroud in there either. So 844-843-6879. In the end, I think Caleb Williams will win, but not easy for a West Coast guy to win the special just because the east coast folks don't get to see him you know i'm gonna I, I, i'm gonna change that i think strad wins i'm not saying he should and i wouldn't even have him in my top three but i bet in the end cj Stroud is your winner we'll find out this saturday night here in new york uh john in manhattan who, who knows maybe at the eisman trophy ceremonies i've been to a couple of them what's going on john how are you this morning Scott, I, I'm tuned. I've tuned in for a World Cup update. I haven't heard a peep out of you on soccer. <laughs> uh, that's why you have to go to the other side of the world to find that uh, USA is out. So we are done with the World Cup. I don't even know who's playing today. Uh, my wife has told me to go to the other side of the world, but uh, in maybe a few more choice <laughs> words than that, Scott. <laughs> Oh, Spain and Morocco are playing right now. Is, is that the nothing, nothing, shocking, shocking score out of soccer, John? Nothing, nothing, 73 minutes into the game. Who would have thunk that? Wow, amazing. Um, so, as you can imagine, Brazil is favored to win the World Cup. Uh, a few years ago, I saw an interview with uh, Henry Kissinger, who's a huge soccer fan, and the guy asked him, you know, he said, you've been in Rio de Janeiro during the World Cup. He goes, what happens when Brazil loses the World Cup? And uh, he goes, if, if he goes, I've been in Rio, and when Brazil loses the World Cup, they riot in the streets for three days. And the interviewer said, well, wow. He goes, well, what happens if Brazil wins the World Cup? And he said, in Rio de Janeiro, when Brazil wins the World Cup, they riot in the streets for three days. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, you can't. Scott, can I hit you yeah, with a quick uh, baseball uh, quiz? Absolutely. Go ahead. All right, cool. The uh, this is uh, who is this player? I'll give you a hint. It's not McGuire and it's not Bonds. Uh, this player is the only player in the history of baseball to hit 50 doubles and 50 homers in the same season as a as a same season. As a cleanup hitter, only two players have more RBI, Manny and Gehrig. And his best four seasons, his average RBI total was 126. Career home run total, 381. Lifetime batting average, 295. Career hits, 1,726. Career RBI, 1,239. Give me those last two again. The last, the sure. last two stats you rattled off. Career hits one thousand seven hundred twenty-six. Career RBI one thousand two hundred thirty-nine. So not that uh, he didn't have that much. Uh, that that many hits seventeen hundred. Um, that's interesting. Only three hundred eighty-one home runs is interesting, but he had fifty in a year. In which he had 50. 50 so it's doubles Hank and Aaron 50 Smith. homers in the same season. Only player in the history yeah. of baseball to ever do that. 
Yeah. Not too many guys have hit 50 home runs in a year, believe it or not. I know a lot more recently, but if you know, if you go from like 10 years ago and back, there's only a handful. Um, it's got to be somebody goofy that would have one decent year. Although you said 298 lifetime batting average. I don't know. Who is that? Albert Bell. Uh, you know what? I swear to God I was going to tell you that guy, but I was having a brain fart again, and I couldn't think of him. I, I was going to say the, the old Cleveland Indian who always got into trouble and this and that they don't really like, and, and he's got borderline all fan. That's who I was going to say. I, I should have just said it, but I didn't want to embarrass myself by not thinking of I couldn't think of his name off the top of my head. Wow, that, that's, that's kind of funny. No, I, I believe he's Scott, but why is he not in the Hall of Fame? Well, 1,700 hits. And he was a putz. So combine the two, and there you go. Um, I don't think anyone has less than 1,700 hits. That's in, is that only He only has 1,700? I, I, I would have guessed more than that, to tell you the truth. Um, right, but, go to Albert Bell. but his other stats but, are, I mean, almost a 300-lifetime batting average. Um, hitting all those R- his average RBI total in his best four seasons was 126. Scott, I know he was nasty to the media, but yeah. they, he that's not reason enough to keep him keep him out. And as far as I know, uh, he didn't do steroids, and I don't know that there was a lot of innuendo that he did. Uh, make an argument for Albert Bell. Thanks, Joe. Uh, I called I called you Joey because Albert Bell's uh, real name is Joey. Joey Bell. Yeah. Thanks, Scott. Right. Right. Uh, I wish I would have guessed that. So, listen, and, and I'll tell you the other thing also. He has one. how many years of 100 RBIs or more? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and another year of 95. The guy was a beast for a 10-year period. He was, you know, one of the most feared hitters in baseball. 381 home runs for a career. Mm. Got to get to 400. 295 lifetime batting average is pretty good. The 1,700 hits. He just, he should have hung on for like maybe three more years. Opposite picks coming up next right here on Sports Grid Radio. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. LLs know what that music means. Time to take out those pad and pencils, get set for the fastest, and more importantly, most profitable five minutes in radio, opposite picks. What are opposite picks and newbies ask? Well, we give you seven games, 7,000 reasons why we like one side, and then we go opposite. Why? Because despite all the stats, trends, hunches, injury reports, weather reports, systems, and everything else, nobody but nobody beats the boys in Vegas. Uh, a little three and four yesterday, not too bad. Uh, drops our deficit to $2,730 if you've been a $100 player and you've been with us from January 1st on. Here we go. Seven pack of games for you tonight. We're going to start in the NBA. Only three games. We'll play two of them. In fact, we'll play three of them. Uh, Lakers getting four and a half at Cleveland. L.A. is back to playing good ball, and you know you're going to get an A game from L.A. because LeBron in the Cleveland situation, going back to Cleveland, he never lays an egg there. So, you know what? You're getting four and a half. A.D.'s playing his best ball. You can make the case he's playing his best ball as a Laker, even during his championship season there two years ago. I'll grab the four and a half points thinking this is going to go down to the wire. Love L.A. getting four and a half. 
Uh, give me uh, Cleveland minus the uh, four and a half points. Uh, pick number two, Miami Heat laying eight and a half versus the Detroit Pistons. Ah, oh, the Pistons beat goes on. They are the worst team in the NBA or certainly in the Eastern Conference anyway. Uh, how bad are they, you ask? Well, they're an Eastern Conference worst 6-19, including 2-11 and 11 on the road. Heat playing a little better of late. They're 4-2 and two their last six games, laying less than 10 points at home. I thought this game was in Detroit when I saw the line. Love Miami here. Uh, give me Detroit uh, plus the 8.5. Pick number three, Denver laying four and a half versus Dallas. Tough spot for the Mavs who beat Phoenix last night in Dallas. Now they have to fly to high altitude. Denver play a rested Nuggets team. Good luck on that. Mavs are awful on the road as well. Just two and eight. Denver six and two at home. Hop on this line early. This is going to be six, six and a half by game time. Love Denver here laying only four and a half. Uh, give me uh, Dallas plus the four and a half. Pick number four, hockey we go. New Jersey laying 235, ouch, to win in regulation, but against Chicago. Devils, one of the best teams in the league. We've been riding them for a long time now. Blackhawks, one of the worst. They got blanked by the Islanders last time out, dropping their road record to 3-8, and 7-17, and 17, including overtime losses overall. No way they hang with the, one of the best teams in the NHL, New Jersey. Love the Devils here. Uh, give me a Chicago plus uh, three to one. Pick number five, Islanders. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, minus 165 versus St. Louis. Blues gave it all in last night's 6-4 loss to the Rangers. Islanders resting. Blues have now lost four in a row in six of their last seven. Backup goalie figures the players. Jordan Binghamton was uh, playing last night, and he's struggling. Six straight losses now. Islanders tough at home, nine and four. Love the Islanders here, laying only a buck sixty-five. Yeah, give me, uh, give me St. Louis uh, plus the uh, one forty-five. Pick number five, uh, Seattle. We go against Montreal. The Kraken laying uh, two sixty-seven. We'll drop that down to uh, minus one twenty-five to win in regulation. Uh, why not, right? Uh, Kraken did have their seven-game win streak snap last time out, but they're obviously playing good ball. Seven and one their last eight. Canadians, decent little team, uh, but they blew a four-nothing lead last night. That, that, that's like blowing a thirty-five-nothing lead in football. Four-nothing lead at Vancouver in their second period. They're going to be mentally drained. Love Seattle here. Uh, give me uh, Montreal plus the uh, two fifty. Pick number seven, uh, college basketball will go. Good uh, slate of games tonight. We're going to grab Illinois plus the uh, two and a half uh, versus Texas. Neutral site game at Madison Square Garden here in New York City. Texas has done most of its damage at home this year. In fact, all of it. Six and oh, but all six wins at home. This is their first real road game. They got nice wins over the Zags and Creighton, but that's it. I'll take my chances. Illinois keeps this one close, if not winning outright. This line dropped from four to two and a half. There's a reason why. Love Illinois in this game. Uh, give me uh, Texas uh, plus the uh, two or minus the two and a half. Opposite picks uh, for a Tuesday. We have NBA Cleveland laying four and a half against the Lakers and LeBron. Detroit plus eight and a half versus Miami. Dallas plus four and a half versus Denver. Chicago on the ice, uh, getting three to one against the New Jersey Devils. St. Louis plus 145 against the Islanders. Montreal getting two to one at Seattle. 
And uh, give me Texas minus two and a half in college hoops against Illinois. Opposite picks for a Tuesday, December 6th. Good luck, folks. And there you go. And I'll uh, post that stuff on the website, as we always do, at OppositePicks.com. Our pyramid plays in open parlays coming up. Uh, next, we did have a winner last night with the uh, under in New Orleans-Tampa Bay. So leg number two. I, we, we're going to get a winner. I, I think this is it. We, I, I really I feel lucky with this one. So leg in uh, number one and leg number two tonight. I'll tell you where we're going to go in a second. First up, a couple of calls. Uh, Mark in Cincinnati joins us here at Opposite Picks. What's going on, Mark? How are you this morning? Good, good, Scotty. Good to hear from you. <clears throat> Look forward to talking to you tomorrow when uh, Wednesdays Without Walsh comes on. Yeah, but, yes, um, absolutely. <laughs> hey, absolutely. Yeah, hey, you know, um, I called you about a month back, and, you know, we're, we're getting uh, the sports books coming to Ohio. And you said that possibly right. you, you may set up a segment on uh, how, how to, you know, for, for beginner guys like myself, you know. Right. Explain some of the terms, like, you know, like what does chalk mean and things of that nature. Because I, I listen to you guys every day. I think uh, I think you know that. But, hey, I had to laugh when uh, John called in. Because growing up in Youngstown, Ohio, I went to a lot of the Indians games back in the day. And uh, Albert Bell, you know, uh, and, uh, you know, Omar Vizquel and Kenny Lofton and um, – it, those were some. Those are some fun days. Great but teams. Some of the fun yeah. days prior, prior to that, is when we had the Perry brothers, Gaylord and his brother, and I think one of them just recently passed. But when when they were doing the spitball routine, but my most right, memorable right. moment, probably in old in old municipal stadium, was when they had nickel beer night and about thirty two thousand drunk Polacks running around. And Gary Martin, <laughs> they're playing the Texas Rangers. <clears throat> um, no, well, uh, Billy Martin. I'm sorry, Billy Martin was the coach for the Texans, and the right, fans manager, of the right. Texans were, were they, they were all in a fist fight, and uh, Billy Martin's running around with a baseball bat, swinging it at the fans. Uh, only in Cleveland. I mean, where else can a river catch on fire? You know, what a great place. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but uh, just bringing back some great memories like that back in the day when, when football was football and Jack Lambert and Turkey Jones picking up Bradshaw and throwing him on his head, you know, and yeah. then Joe Green. I and think, Cardi- that, think about that team. Think about that that that, that team uh, that that Indians. Yeah, I wasn't sure. I mean, I was pretty sure, but I wanted to double check, Mark. So I, I I did look it up. I got the lineup here. Manny was on that team. I wasn't sure if Manny played with Albert Bell. I thought he did, but here's that last year with uh, with Bell on the Indians team: Sandy Alomar, Julio Franco, Carlos Baerga, Omar Vizquel, Jim Tomey, Albert Bell, Kenny Lofton, Manny Ramirez, and Eddie Murray. Oh, they had one. As far as maybe they're not in because of roids and this and that, but they had Murray, Ramirez, Lofton, Bell, Tommy. That's five. Vizquel's borderline six. They had six, like, Hall of Fame players, and, and you know, even Franco, Alomar, and Bayerga, you know, had their day in it. So what a lineup that was. Boy, how didn't they win a World Series? Absolutely. Jeez. Absolutely. And I forget which batter had the ping pong balls in his bat that, that it broke. I, that was, was uh, that no, that was Indian. Sammy. 
Was it Sammy? Or okay, I know Sammy had Sammy? it for the Cubs. Yeah. But Bell was the one that was caught, like, no, crawling no. through the uh, – wasn't he crawling through the attic or something yeah. stupid like that? Yes. Yeah. I mean, right? <laughs> what a cast of characters, huh? That would be a but great, like, 30 for 30. That, you know, and you know what? Soon after that, the uh, I believe the uh, movie Major League came out. Um, yeah. But uh, there was one batter for Cleveland that he hit that fastball and his bat broke open and all the ping pong balls or the super balls, there's all well, that balls was Bell. came out of that it. That was but, Bell. Uh, I, yeah. Sammy, yeah, actually, okay, Sammy yeah, was in batting practice. Yeah. And then it was Albert Bell in, in the game itself. Yeah. 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 So, oh, great time. And then, great team. And then there's a little bit more trivia. They, they, they had a guy on there called Smoking Joe Charbonneau. And he got into a bar yeah. fight down in Cleveland, and, and, and he sewed himself up because he got hit in the head with a beer bottle. And he sewed himself up with, with, with a needle and fishing line and showed up for work. Yeah. I remember there was the, he was yeah. a rookie of the year. You talk about a one-year wonder. That was him. And supposedly he could open a beer bottle with his neck. I, I remember that story in Sports Illustrated. I'm like, how the hell does he open up a beer bottle yeah. with his neck? But that, I remember reading that about him. Um, yeah, rookie of the year for the Indians, and then never really had another great year after that. It was in, I think, it was only in baseball like maybe three, four years, uh, and then just you know faded yeah. away for some goofy reason. So you have a great yeah, day. We'll job. talk to you tomorrow. All right, you got it, Mark. Appreciate it. Yeah, that was. Look, you think about that team. What a what a team that was. Wow, uh, Paulo, our good buddy from the podcast uh, from New York. What's going on, Paulo? How are you today, bud? I'm good, uh, Scott. How are you? By the way, good, uh, good. Spain and Morocco playing to a thrilling 0-0 tie right now in the 90th minute, in case you wanted to know. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I, 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 I got, um, I'm at the edge of my breath here, just uh, anticipating watching the highlights. <laughs> yeah, and uh, <laughs> my country plays at 2 o'clock, Portugal versus Switzerland, but that's not why I called. Okay. Um, I was just looking at the lines of the NFL lines for the this coming week, and Minnesota is underdog versus Detroit. A ten and two team is getting three points versus Detroit. Is it a Kirk Cousins wow. thing? Like, what's the deal with that? You know what? You're right. I haven't really looked at the lines uh, yet. I'm looking at it now. Yeah, FanDuel's got it at two and a half. Detroit at home. I don't know. It's been about a month. I mean, ever since Paulo, since they beat Buffalo, which you would have thought would have given Minnesota that much more credibility with the uh, with the uh, guys in Vegas, but. Ever since then, you know, small favorite at home against the Patriots, small favorite last week against the Jets. They were home dogs against uh, Dallas. You know, they obviously lost. And now they're on the road uh, as road dogs against Detroit. Wow. I, I don't know if that's necessarily an anti-Viking thing as it is a more pro-Detroit thing uh, with where the Lions have played. Three in a row now. Three, is it four in a row? Three in a row? Yeah. Um, I think they're starting to I'm buy into the Lions with, with three straight wins. Yeah, I was just I was just like, hey, right, let me call Scott on this one because that just seems mind-boggling to me. A ten and two team is underdogs versus a five and seven team. I get Detroit won a couple games, but I mean, no respect for Minnesota. <laughs> yeah, you I bet you haven't seen that line too often, right? I mean, how many times has a ten and two team been, albeit on the road, still an underdog? You're right to a team that's under five hundred and a perennial loser team as well. Detroit, not like uh, you know Green Bay or somebody we're you know used to winning. So yeah, yeah, and that's uh, where are you get are you gonna bet it real quickly? 
Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to yeah. put some shekels on it. Why not? Plus money. I'm going to take a chance on it. There you go. There you go. Give me, give me the Vikings plus the two and a half. Classic opposite pick on that one. Classic. More coming up. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, welcome back. It is Opposite Picks right here on Sports Grid Radio. A lot to get to over the final couple of minutes, so here we go. Open parlay time. All right, leg number two. We hit with the under New Orleans, Tampa Bay. Uh, we bumped the line up uh, to uh, 40, well, it was 41 and a half, so we risked 100 to win 90, so we won $90. All right, so we have 190, the original $100 bet, full unit plus the amount we won, so we're at 190. Uh, we're going to go semi conservative here. And we're going to grab the New Jersey Devils at minus 245 to win in regulation. You want a crazy line? I'll give you one here in a second. Uh, New Jersey, minus 245 to win in regulation versus the Chicago Blackhawks. So we're risking 190 to win 77. Leg number two. Uh, Speaking of the Blackhawks and the Devils, uh, we have leg number six. We can finish it out. We can cash out today if you've been following us religiously on this. And I posted on the website. So this is leg number six. Six, uh, as we bet against the Blackhawks every time out, we're up to five hundred ninety-eight dollars. We're going to put that on the Devils laying a goal and a half at, uh, believe it or not, minus one sixty. So we're risking five ninety-eight to win three hundred and seventy-four dollars. If we win, uh, we win close to a thousand dollars, and we cash out on our ticket. Not bad. Um, we uh, had no game with San Jose, Arizona, and we, uh, we're going to pass on the underdog open parlay for tonight. We'll just keep with the main two. But here's the how, how about this? The New Jersey Devils, on FanDuel anyway, minus 430. 430 to win in either regulation or in overtime, right? If you're willing to lay a goal and a half, so they got to win by two goals or more, that minus 430 drops to minus 160. A 270-point drop by just laying one and a half goals. Wow. That is that is a huge drop. So watch the Devils win uh, 4-3 in overtime tonight. I'll post the shots on goal on the website. No time to get to it today. OppositePicks.com. Hit the uh, NHL page, the free page, and I'll post all this stuff on the free page that we normally get to. Enjoy the rest of your day, folks. I'll talk to you later on tonight. Carver, Lisi, or uh, check that, uh, Stevens and Lisi coming up next right here on Sportsman Radio.